Hello and welcome to episode 45 of Sensational She Geek Live from Yancey Street. While I will be posting a special edition podcast episode later this week covering my review for Spider-Man No Way Home, this is just a regular weekly Monday episode and as such, we'll be starting things off as usual with the news. The news this week includes some basic reminders and some talk about The Witcher Season 2, some teases for Hasbro's Multiverse of Madness toy line, which is going to be teasing and giving some insight possibly to what we will be seeing in that movie. We have the new name of Marvel's new Sorcerer Supreme in the 616 for the comics, and we have some updates for The Punisher. Comic book picks this week will be covering things that came out last week on the 14th of December for DC Comics and the 15th of December for everything else. We only have a few titles that we're going to be going over and those include in order of preference, Wonder Girl number 6, Demon Days Rising Storm number 1, Vampirella Dracula Unholy number 1, My Date with Monsters number 2, and admittedly a few steps further down the list. Batgirls number one, which is a pretty big deal for a lot of fans, so I felt like it was worth mentioning, no matter my opinion of it. The comic book polls for this week are covering comics coming out tomorrow on the 21st of December, that's Tuesday, and then Wednesday the 22nd of December. We have a number of Black Ladle titles, a number of, well, one first, and a number of endings for series, so it's a lot of really exciting stuff. Before we get into Hawkeye Episode 5, which premiered last Wednesday on Disney+, Plus, it is the penultimate episode in the series titled Ronin, so I will be covering the whole rundown of what happens in the episode, breaking it down bit by bit. We'll be talking about theories that are going to spinning out of the events of the episode, the big notable reveals, the speculation, the comic book counterparts, It'll all be covered there in our Hawkeye discussion. Once we're done with that, we're going to wrap things up on this week's episode with the March 2022 solicitations for DC Comics. Marvel has yet to release their full solicitations for the month of March in the next year, but for the time being, we'll go over the DC ones that we do have, and next week we'll cover Marvel. But for these for these DC solicitations, we have some really cool stuff coming in March, some neat, some neat Batman stuff from Black Label, and some really cool Wonder Woman and Amazon stuff for the Trial of the Amazons event that is coming in March as well. And that's what this episode looks like today. You will notice that I did not mention um, I will not be discussing Spider-Man No Way Home on this episode or any of the news surrounding it. Instead, I will be posting a new Yancey Street special, as I'm calling them, covering my entire review of the movie, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the future of the MCU, and more. Everything you would possibly want to know, need to know, I will be covering that in the special edition podcast coming later this week. It is completely prepared. I could probably do it later today, but I think I have to make dinner tonight. <laughs> and I want to make sure I let my thoughts percolate enough to get an accurate sense of how I felt about the movie across to my listening audience. So look out for that later this week. It is on its way and I'm super excited to share my thoughts about that movie with you. 
with all of that being said, you can find me online on Instagram is the best place to find me. My username there is Anna with the comics because my name is Anna and I certainly do have the comics as you will see. My Twitter is Savage She Geek because Sensational is too many letters. Any updates that I have for the podcast will be posted there first. So I guess find that if you're wondering where I've been recently. And my website, which again I do have, is sensationalshegeek.weebly.com. It has the highlights on the front page now of Madeline Pryor, the Goblin Queen, Ileana Rasputin, aka Magic, and Clea, who will be the new Sorcerer Supreme come March 2022. So if you have any curiosities about those characters, I highly suggest you check out my website to get massive rundowns on all of them. I also have my podcast notes, which are available for reading the podcast instead of listening. They're basically just the notes that I take throughout the week to make sure that I have all of my thoughts gathered for the podcast. And as such, it kind of works not so much as a script for the podcast, but as a a general structural layout. So you can check that out if you are more interested in listening to it or if you are hearing impaired. You can also find links on my website to everywhere you can listen to the podcast, which is most hosting apps for podcasts, including YouTube, where I also post action figure review videos if that's anything that you're interested in. My recent videos include the 2020 HasLab Sentinel, the Marvel Legends Tigra, aka Greer Grant Nelson, and Shadow Meow Schools from Fortnite, although disclaimer, I know nothing about Fortnite, so don't look for any like insight there. Let's try not to make that rhyme. Uh, I also have a whole tour of our toy collection under Blacklight, which was very fun. And most recently I've done a video covering Captain Carter, who is one of my top figures from the year. Uh, surprisingly comes from Marvel Legends from Hasbro. And my latest upload is a comparison video between the Marvel Legends Psylocke slash Quanin, there's the two versions of them, and the imported Mofex ver- version, which just released fairly recently. And spoiler alert on that one, the Mofex Psylocke makes the Marvel Legends versions look like a Toy Biz figure circa sometime in the early 90s. So check that out if you're interested in any of that kind of business. I do have a podcast Patreon set up these days. It's You can search for it under Sensational She Geek. It's set up for donations to support the podcast. Anything that you feel um, you know may have earned worth your time or your money, your entertainment value. Completely optional. I'm never going to go around expecting you to donate because I asked or because you did once before. Nothing like that. And I also have, if you're not into the subscription thing like Patreon is, I have my Kofi, Cash App, Venmo, PayPal. All the donation things that you could possibly do uh, that I have access to are linked on my link tree, which should appear linked among other fun things at the bottom of each episode's description. Last, I do have a favorite Redbubble sticker design for sale, which says a woman's place is in the comic shop, which um, we all know what that's a twist on. <laughs> it is Redbubble, so you can get that as um, a, a sticker is the main thing, but as a, you can get it as pretty much anything you want. And I have a couple other designs similar to that on their site. You can find it under She Geek Shop. Now, as we get started with the news here, I have a few things I'd like to start off with as reminders. The first of all is a bit of a plea here, and that is because it is about that time of year where I have to reload my podcast 
uh, my Podbean podcaster subscription, which is what allows me to host and post podcast episodes through their whole system. So if you'd like to support the, the continuation of this podcast in 2022, all of the donation links, as I say, each episode are linked in my link tree at the bottom of each episode's description. Uh, so if you're at all interested in helping the podcast reach 2022, uh, I would super duper appreciate absolutely anything. And that is all going directly to the continuation of the podcast. My No Way Home review and any news related to its release, as I mentioned just a little bit ago, is going to be actually on its own Yancey Street special. Um, other Yancey Street specials that I will be doing, of course, the No Way Home one is going to be by the end of the week. I'm assuming that's going to be Thursday at the very latest, uh, looking at my personal work schedule. And then we have the end of year Best in Comics 2021 list, which I am going to be getting onto a podcast special by the end of the month. So look for that around the 31st. And then I will also be doing a Clea introduction special. Anything and absolutely everything you could possibly know about the character uh, will be appearing somewhere around the end of January to prepare you for her early March bump into the position of Sorcerer Supreme for the Marvel 616. Other reminders, it is the longest night of the year on the 21st here in the Northern Hemisphere. That is the winter solstice. So the great news about that, if nothing else, is that we are going to be starting to get longer days once again and reverse the long dark night of winter that we've been in for so long. But it is also the first day of winter, so happy winter. Um, the last episode of Hawkeye is coming out this Wednesday. Make sure you stay off of the internet because uh, history shows, I mean, if you don't care about spoilers, you're fine, but history shows there will often be that one celebrity who just feels like they have a right to post anything they want about a show that they may or may not have been in. Um, maybe they're new and they just haven't gotten, <laughs> haven't gotten the swing of things yet, but chances are if you're on the internet Wednesday and you haven't seen the Hawkeye finale yet, you're gonna get it spoiled for yourself, so be advised. Finally, we have The Book of Boba, which is the Star Wars show starring, you guessed it, Boba freaking Fett is starting next Wednesday, the 29th. It's a belayed Christmas present, early end of year present, whatever you want to look at it. It's just a gift in general. And that will be covered initially on Monday, the third episode, which will have, of course, our standard weekly stuff. But the fact that Book of Boba is on there, you may want to check that one out because that is bound to be a killer show. Now, as for our regular news, we have some Witcher news, and that is that the season two of The Witcher is up on Netflix in all of its glory. There are a lot of people saying already that it is better than season one, and I would actually agree with that having watched, I think up till probably episode six or so on The Witcher now. Yes, my Netflix app says that we started episode 7 but did not complete it, so uh, really, really loving this season of the show. I do not have a personal history with the games or the books, but after watching this, we really want to read the books. Are they any good? Do you know? Are the books any good? Because I will read them. Uh, if I, I, It's possible that they're terrible, but 
Uh, let me know if you know. Um, but my husband played the games like crazy when they were coming out. So he's like a big, he knows like a lot of the lore and stuff for The Witcher. Um, so he's been filling me in on all of it. And it is really cool. I am loving this season. And the good news is season three is already green lit, has already been green lit, and has actually already been written as well. So they are pretty much ready to go with recording recording with filming season three of the witcher and hopefully we'll get that in another year or so so that's really exciting haven't quite finished this season pretty close to it and definitely looking forward to more sometime around the end of last week hasbro released the first look at their multiverse of madness toy line toy wave i should say that's going to be coming from their marvel legends toy line in the next year it's going to be a variety of figures from the movie and then a few figures from the comics as well oftentimes when hasbro does these sorts of movie waves the comic book figures that come alongside the movie figures tend to have some kind of relation to the plot of the movie if not the characters who are in the movie so take everything uh, all of these announcements or whatever you may see them as with a grain of salt, but at least we know for the figures that are officially for the movie gets a little bit of insight and a little bit of tease for what we're going to be seeing in that movie. So uh, the different figures that they have already announced and shown us pretty great detail of what they will look like. The first really very interesting one that to note is one that is going by the name of Defender Strange. Um, now, if you saw the preview of Multiverse of Madness at the end of No Way Home, um, and if you're just a person who understands multiverses, you'll, uh, you'll kind of know that we're going to be seeing other Stephen Stranges in that movie. Um, my theory is that Defender Strange is probably going to be another Stephen that they're going to come across in the multiverse. If it's not that, my next best guess is that this is a costume he's going to take up towards the end of the movie, when possibly he starts up a new Defenders team of his own, where he is no longer Sorcerer Supreme. Because again, if you have seen No Way Home, I'm sorry if I'm spoiling it for you, but he is not Sorcerer Supreme. Um, I guess I won't say anything more than that to avoid spoiling it more. Um, but so that's that's kind of what I'm thinking with this figure. The suit itself is not hugely based off of comics, any kind of comics version that he has. It's a red and black suit. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but it doesn't seem to be a specific outfit he's had in the comics before. I'm thinking this is either going to be ending up being the main villain or his, this is just some other strange, but we'll have to wait and see, of course, when the movie comes out. There's also an astral form strange, pretty simple to figure out, a classic strange, which does appear to be him as the Sorcerer Supreme again, which could be just them reissuing a figure of him as the Sorcerer Supreme, or could be telling that he become Sorcerer Supreme again. Again, we're not really sure which way that's gonna go. There's also the updated figure for Carl Mordo, who is played, of course, by Chuatil Ejafor. I'm so sorry. Somebody please tell me how to pronounce that better next time. Um, great actor, though. <laughs> he's got really long hair now and looks super cool. Looks like he's been through some shit, so I'm excited to find out more about what his character's been up to. 
There is a figure for Wong, who is, of course, played by Benedict Wong. And there is a figure for America Chavez, also known as Miss America, played by Xochitl Gomez. So we've known for a while that America is going to be in this movie. And I have a good feeling that they're going to be going with something closer to her recent origin retcon as her origin for her character instead of for her being from another dimension altogether. But that being said, this is a whole movie about the multiverse, so when it comes down to it, we'll just have to wait and see again. Uh, finally, there is a Build-A-Figure MCU version of Rintra, who there is many rumors that the actor Adam Hugill will be at least voicing this comic book character in the movies. His first appearance was in Doctor Strange number 80 in 1986. He is a bull man. He's basically a, a bull man. He's a man bull. <laughs> and he becomes apprentice to Stephen Strange for a good while in the comics, as well as friend to Clea and other people who are around the Strange comics at that time. There are also three comic book figures coming with this line. Uh, the first is Sleepwalker, who I honestly don't know much of his history, but he has had quite a big resurgence of popularity in the last year or so, which I don't know why, <laughs> but it's possible that he's going to become relevant in the MCU at some point in the future. There's also the character, the villain Despair, which is not spelled how you think it's spelled. Um, this is not saying that Spare or Sleepwalker are going to be in this movie. Um, they're just characters who have vague relations to the magic of Marvel 616. So, uh, and Spare is a Doctor Strange villain. Um, he goes along kind of with Nightmare and all of those other sorts of villains. So the last figure that's coming from this wave is the, they're calling it the Ragnarok Thor, but what it basically is, is it's the Cyborg Thor from Civil War, the comics, where Tony makes Cyborg Thor and he kills um, Hercules, wasn't it? It killed Hercules? No, it wasn't Hercules, it was Goliath. Uh, he blasted a hole through Goliath's chest in Civil War. But it's also got a regular Thor head as well as a cyborg head. And that really cool spinny hammer effect. So pick it up if you want that effect because I'm pretty sure it's very hard to find on the internet. So that's what the whole wave is going to be for Multiverse of Madness. It's definitely possible we're going to be getting a second wave for this movie because we know that we're going to be getting a couple of other characters. We know there's going to be a Scarlet Witch most likely going to need a new updated figure for that. Uh, most likely going to be getting Clea. Potentially we'll be getting a figure for that. We have never gotten a comic Clea before. And let's see. Mephisto. We know he's going to... We, we know Mephisto will be in this one. So he'll probably be the next Build-A-Figure we get for this series. But it's interesting to think about what Defender Strange might be. Um, what Carl Mordo may have gone through in the past couple of years. Was he snapped? Very curious to find all that out um, and to see that they are pretty much confirmed in doing Rintra, so that's pretty exciting. While I do not yet have access to the full March 2022 solicitations for Marvel Comics, we do have two very big updates for what we're going to be getting in the next year for Marvel. And the first of that is a new Sorcerer Supreme for the 616, and that has been announced officially as being Clea. A lot of people refer to her as Clea Strange. That is not accurate. She never married Strange. 
um, in any earthen sense, especially not legally. So that that is not, there's no reason for that to be her last name. She doesn't really have a last name. Um, all of this, of course, I will go into depth on when I do my special edition podcast on her, which will be coming out in January. Um, and I also had a thought about this and that she is not from Earth. She is from the Dark Dimension and she is half of the Dark Dimension and half Fall Teen, uh, which Jed McKay, the writer of this new series she's going to be getting, does mention in this quote that I have of him a little bit later, but... I don't, I, I feel a bit odd about how he talks about it. So we'll kind of see how this all plays out. It's difficult being a fan um, and trying to balance expectations with your own ideas um, and things like that. So I'll be updating this as it goes along and we'll kind of see how I feel as it goes along. But this series, Clea is getting a new series called Strange in March 2022 by Jed McKay with art by Marcelo Fiera. Something that Jed McKay says about her character, they have some quotes here. So he says, haunted by her recent, actually, no, that's not right. This is, I think the closest thing to a solicitation that I have right now, that is haunted by her recently returned memories. Clea longs to bring Stephen Strange back from the dead. But when a mysterious group attacks the magical realm, Clea, now the sole protector of earth against magical threats, must rise to the duties of Sorcerer Supreme. Don't miss the shocking twists, new villains, and unbelievable magical feats as Clea takes Marvel magic to places it's never been before. And the quote from Jed McKay, the writer, he says, after the apocalyptic events of the death of Doctor Strange, which he's writing as well, there's a new Sorcerer Supreme in residence at 177A Bleecker Street and a new Doctor Strange, Clea Strange. Again, not her last name. And she's got her work cut out for her. When she's not fighting off the magical gangsters of the Blasphemy Syndicate or battling undead super monsters, she's going after what's hers, the late Stephen Strange. Clea is of the Faltine, that race of warlords and conquerors, not quite accurate. And like her relatives Zormamu and Umar, she will be she will not be thwarted in her desires, not even by the mysterious Harvest Man standing in her way. It's been really exciting to open up a new chapter in the world of Dr. Clea Strange, not her last name, to get some new adventures going and some new weirdies in on the table, and I can't wait for folks to come along with us. Clearly, I have some trepidation about that, if you didn't pick up on that. Um, the Faltine are not warlords and conquerors, necessarily. The Faltine are non-physical beings. Um... They're just, they don't have bodies. They're disgusted by bodies. They're disgusted by any, by the ideas of food and family and having a lineage. When they spawn, they spawn asexually and basically create clones of themselves to go off and continue their, you know, existence. Um, and that was Dormammu and Umar were basically twin spawns of Cinefer, their father creature thing, their father Faltine, <laughs> um, and they desired bodies. And so after killing him, they are banned from the Faltine, which is both the name of their realm and their species, and wind up conquering places across the universe. So that is why um, I assume he's saying that they're warlords and conquerors because Dormammu and Umar are, um, but it's a little bit more complicated than that. So again, <laughs> I will be talking over a lot more of this in depth in my introduction to Clea podcast, clarifying all the stuff that he said in the quote there. Um, 
and a lot more. <laughs> everything, absolutely everything. So issues four and five of Death of Doctor Strange haven't come out yet, so this is a bit of a premature announcement, but it's nice to know that it's coming so we can prepare in advance. The update we have for The Punisher starting in March 2022 is that he's going to be having a new series. This will be a 13-issue prestige format series, which means that it's the thicker kind of bound like a book version of a comic still comic size though it's not magazine sized and this is going to be written by jason aaron with dueling artist jesus saiz and paul azacita uh, and the colorist is going to be dave stewart saiz and azacita will collaborate on each issue with saiz handling present day portions of the story and azacita on the flashbacks the rundown of the story that we have says Frank Castle is recruited by the Hand to serve their demonic master known as the Beast, thanks to his unparalleled skills at murder. As part of Frank's time with the Hand, he'll wear a new logo, don new armor, and even take up a sword in line with the Hand's ninja style. Clearly, those are all things that are pretty new for the character. He's never had a different logo. Um, I don't think he's really ever had a new armored look. Uh, besides just adding on more or less. Uh, and he's definitely never run around with swords full time. Uh, he's done it once or twice, used them, of course, in the comics when need be, um, but not as his preferred weapon, for sure. <laughs> I think as everybody knows. Now, Jason Aaron did work on, he has done Punisher series before. It is not canon Punisher. He did Punisher Max alongside Steve Dillon, which is pretty impressive if you're, if you know, you know, from 2010 to 2012. So this is not his first time with Frank Castle. Um, that being said, I hate his Avengers, but his Thor was awesome. So we'll see how this goes. My honest opinion on this is that a 13-issue prestige format series of The Punisher by Jason Aaron just sounds so dull. Super dull. I don't- I just- like, I just can't see him making that much material interesting. <laughs> Is that bad? Probably. But we do have a quote from him here. He says, Jason Aaron, after writing The Punisher over the years, I've always been fascinated by the character of Frank Castle. What moments made him The Punisher even before that fateful day in the park? And how far will he go to win the war that has consumed his life? Spoiler, as far as it damn well takes. The story is, is the destined next step in the dark and tragic evolution of Frank and how far he will go to win the war. Ooh, I just went back. I read the same line. Evolution of Frank Castle, from troubled kid to heroic soldier to revenge-driven vigilante to the duly anointed king of killers. Believe me when I say I am as excited about the story as anything I've ever written at Marvel. I guess we'll have to wait and find out. We've only got a couple comics in our comic book picks this week. The good is the Wonder Girl number six, Demon Days Rising Storm number one, Vampirella Dracula Unholy number one, My Date with Monsters number two, and then on the less good side, Batgirls number one, which I still have to mention. Uh, for Wonder Girl number six, this is of course by Joelle Jones. With guest artist on this issue, Layla DeLuca, who I kid you not, I spent probably a solid five minutes flipping back and forth between her art and Jones's art, not being able to tell the difference between them. I know I've said before that Adriana Mello is probably the closest to Joelle Jones's art style ever seen. This artist definitely overpowers that. 
Layla DeLuca. Remember that name. That is an amazing artist. Um, but as for what happens in this issue, we have Yara being jailed below Olympus after trying to leave, basically. And she ends up fighting Hephaestus and breaking free after remembering parts of her childhood in the Amazon. Jerry the Pegasus returns, thankfully alive, and they flee. On Olympus, Eros pleads her case to Hera, who still sees Yara now as a broken tool. Cassie and Donna Troy, meanwhile, go with the Amazons to the gates of Olympus to challenge them, and Yara is on the other side trying to get out. As they cry for battle, Yara turns and sees the figure from her childhood that killed her mother standing there watching her, and she challenges him to a fight. Now, I'm not 100% sure how many issues this is going to have. I'm beginning to think issue eight will be the last issue. Um, I'm trying to see now when that's coming out, and I don't actually have a date for it um, at this point. So I'm guessing February based on context. But there's at least eight issues coming, and then we're going to have a special for Trial of the Amazons, which we'll talk about when we get to the DC solicits for 2022 March. Demon Days Rising Storm is, I believe, it is part four of five of Peach Promoco's Demon Days Saga. They're coming out quarterly, so once every three months, which means the last issue that we're going to be getting, issue five, will be coming out in March, if my math is correct. Um, so we have that to look forward to. This issue was fantastic. It is, of course, written and drawn by Peach Momoko. And in this issue, we learn the backstory of Marco's heritage, that she is descended from the first Oni, the monsters in the mountains, their ancestral leader. That is who the jawbone armor she has is made from. And it turns out that Thor and Storm are gods in this world, which is super cool, and they team into their demon gods when they're fighting Mariko, but then when she remembers everything, um, you get the reveal that she remembers her past, you get the reveal that Ogin, who has been hunting her, is actually Mariko's sister, um, and Mariko remembers that their mother killed herself and it ended up looking like Mariko had done it, so that's why Ogin wants revenge. When they bring Mariko to her, she sticks this weird little baby on, him, on her called Halbo, um, that is the Hulk, and that is pretty darn cool. I love how Peach Moko has been twisting the characters to her own designs, and this is another one that has been really awesome to see premiere in her stuff. So I'm excited to see how it ends up next next week. Oh my god, next issue in March, um, when we will finally be seeing the finale of Peach Moko's Demon Days saga. We saw the kickoff of Vampirella Dracula Unholy. Unsure of how many issues this is going to be, but I actually found this one to be very good. It is by Christopher Priest, who did the last, well, who did the Vampirella series that just finished with issue 25 fairly recently, and this follows, kind of follows it up. Um, I, I honestly, I skimmed the last few issues of his Vampirella. I really liked the series. I just got behind, but I read the last issue. Um, and this is still super easy to follow. I'm not really questioning what's going on ever. It's pretty easy to follow. I, I did really enjoy his series, um, so I'm not too surprised why I liked this so much. And the tagline is, um, a lo it just says a love story. It says the tagline is a love story, so it should be pretty good. Uh, Priest is pretty good at... Uh, 
just the way that he's been doing her character has been very different, um, but in a way that I just, I really, really enjoy. So um, this continuing with the absolute wackiness of his Vampirella series, and I am here for it. My date with Monsters number two comes from Aftershock Comics, and it was pretty funny. Um, really good issue. I'm not entirely sure. I think this is going to be a three-issue series. Um, what happens in this issue is the creature we saw at the end of, end of the first one takes a lock of hair from the main character's daughter and uses it to strangle some guy later on. Um, but since it's using her hair, it strangles her as well. So lots of problems to figure out here. Uh, and the mom ends up going on some really horrifyingly bad dates throughout the issue as well, which is pretty funny. Um, again, this feels like a hilarious anime or manga or something like that. I, with the different themes and the settings and things, it's it's very good. I definitely enjoy it. Now, Batgirls number one, I really want to like. Uh, it is Stephanie, Cass, and Babs moving into an apartment together. The art is super duper fun. Definitely worth mentioning. Jorge Corona is great with dynamic art and high stylation. Stylation. Stylization. <laughs> so visually, it was a very nice read. Writer-wise, um, this is the same team that's doing Wonder Woman, and I couldn't get into their Wonder Woman either. I really like Becky Cloonan as an artist. Fantastic. Like, top ten favorite artists, probably. But... When she's writing this with Michael Conrad, who, as far as I know, is her romantic life partner. Um, I just don't like how they team up. I don't like her writing when they team up. I don't know. I just... I think she's better alone. But I, uh, that's what I'm attributing. The, the Any negativity coming from this, anything that I don't like, I'm attributing to Michael Conrad's side of it. Sorry, not sorry. Um, but it is definitely, I feel like it's definitely written to play out like a, like a friendship sitcom. Uh, you know, all the girls move in together. <laughs> sitcom music. Um, it does sometimes miss the beat entirely on some things that it's trying to get, like, as a sitcom joke. Um, but mostly where it misses is the character's, um, characterization. <laughs> Uh, this is, again, Stephanie, Cass, and Babs, uh, three of the Batgirls, basically the three Batgirls, really. Um, they're also bubbly and bright and, and stuff like, I definitely think Barbara Gordon knows how to cook. Like, I don't think she would rely on cup noodles like a college student. I feel like that kind of trope of how of any superhero male or female being like oh i'm a bad cook and i have my house is a mess and blah 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 i feel like that's a trope that is a thing because most comic book writers historically have been men and that's how men are <laughs> i really don't like it when i see women in comics being like an absolute mess and they're just like oh it's like this because i'm busy busy being a superhero I don't. Uh, people, some, some people just really don't like messes and spend a good amount of time at home making sure there isn't any. <laughs> I definitely think Barbara Gordon is that kind of person. So, regardless of moving in with friends, having a scene of them eating cup noodles for dinner is just kind of like. Mm, I feel like they just went ten years back in time and are now 
you know, 20 year old college students sharing like, rent again. Like it's, it doesn't quite, it doesn't quite match the development they've had in recent years, but that's just me. Uh, the other thing I really didn't like about it are the villains that are introduced in the last page. They look very, very stupid. Um, that's it. Yeah, they just look really, really dumb. And if you have anything better to say about Batgirls number one, um, I would honestly be curious to know. Moving on to comic book polls for the coming week. These are things that are going to be coming out tomorrow, the 21st, and Wednesday, the 22nd. We're going to start off with Batman One Dark Knight number one. This is going to be one of three written and drawn and everything by Jock. I'm sure he's got a last name, but he goes by Jock. Um, it is basically Batman... Well, all of Gotham gets uh, hit by an e EMP and Batman has to cross all of Gotham uh, by himself to get to Blackgate Prison with this villain or something like that. So it's it's one long night. Um, it's going to be played out over three issues. So it should be pretty fun, pretty dramatic. Lots of Batman stuff going on. Catwoman Lonely City number two is written and drawn by Cliff Chang. This is number two of three coming from DC Black Label. I absolutely loved the first issue. We're not going to be getting issue three until March. You actually see that on March's solicitations that were just released for DC. Um, but this is definitely worth the wait. I have, it's only had one issue, but I have just completely adored everything about it. Um, it gives a little bit of reminder of Tom King's Batcat that he's got going on right now, right? Uh, because it does have an aged up Selina coming back to work, basically, which has a little bit of reminiscence of that what that series is doing. Um, but even on its own, it is just completely brilliant. Cliff Chang, I would definitely recommend uh, picking up Lonely City if you are at all a fan of Catwoman. Wonder Woman Evolution is Stephanie Phillips and Mike Hawthorne showing Diana's interstellar trial for the fate of humanity. It all rests on her shoulders and she has to prove that we are worthy of not being destroyed. It's pretty good and they've given her a really cool outfit that I super dig. And there is also, I cannot recommend it enough, a stunning jaw-dropping variant cover by Megan Hetrick, who again, I am a patron of, um, and this thing is gorgeous. So check that one out. Black Panther number two is Legacy issue 199. So issue three is going to be Legacy 200. I have no doubt they're going to have all kinds of variant covers and things ready for that. So be sure to keep your eyes open for those. This is by John Ridley with art by Juan Cabal. John Ridley, I have not no matter how much I have praised him, it is not enough. He has been a incredible force in comics over the past year or two-ish, two, two or three years, maybe max, um, and has completely changed our ideas of what you can do with comics and with characters in comics. Um, and the whole idea of, just the way he tells stories, this man had won an Oscar for a reason, is what I'm saying. Um, and I really, really, really loved what he did with this first issue of Black Panther. He's doing some really cool stuff with T'Challa. He's setting up his reality to be something that you can see as very... Um, it makes a lot of sense 
for the position that T'Challa has as a king and a superhero. So uh, I really, really enjoy this. If you want to pick up anything Black Panther, you've never gotten into it before, definitely try this one out. Nubia and the Amazons number three is coming out of issue, well, it's three of six. Uh, it'll be finishing up in March just for just in time for the start of Trial of the Amazons. Um, this has been by Vita Ayala and Stephanie Williams with art by Aletha Martinez. And this week there is a really, really stunning Jamal Campbell variant. Uh, Jamal Campbell is most recently known for series like uh, Far Sector, which is also super fantastic. So make sure you check him out. Eat the Rich number five is the final issue by Sarah Gailey and Pius Back. The solicitation teases to death do us part. So uh, it may end up being a tragedy. <laughs> we'll see how this one ends. Really good series there. Porcelain number five is coming from a blaze. It's the final issue of Maria Lave's uh, psychic, psychic horror kind of story. Uh, really creepy, really cool. Lots of dolls and spooky things. I love Maria Lave's everything. It's written and drawn by her and she is a genius. X-Men Trial of Magneto number five is coming from Leia Williams with art by Lucas Wernick. This is the final issue and depending on how it ends, the best thing to come from the series could end up being the variant covers for the first issue. So bit of a disappointment, I think, for most of the fans who picked this up at all. <laughs> but um, I'm sure it has a point and I'm sure we'll see that in the future. <laughs> Supergirl, Woman Up Tomorrow number six is the sixth of eight issues by Tom King with art by Bill Quiz Evely. Um, we got Ruthie and Supergirl searching for Creme and uh, I, I don't want to give away too much, but this is a fantastic series. Uh, this is the kind of series that will make you more of a Supergirl fan than a fan of Superman. Uh, it's really, really that good. He writes her so incredibly well. Um, and it's a little bit of a different style story than he normally does. It's a lot of narrative from the not, not the main character's perspective, which is a little bit interesting. It's something different that he's hasn't quite done before. Speaking of Tom King, Batman Catwoman number nine is Tom King with artist Liam Sharp. This is issue nine of 12. And I believe we are going back to having art um, by Clay Mam in the next issue and to more or less wrap up the series. Uh, however, I should take that back. The next issue that comes out for the series is actually the Batman Catwoman special comes out on the 25th of January. And then the next Batman Catwoman 10 comes out in February and that will have clay man art. As the Batman Catwoman special, that is going to have art by Mitch Garrods. Um, John Paul Leone was the main artist who was on this comic. Unfortunately, he passed away when it was a work in progress. Uh, and it has been filled in by Mitch Garrods, Bernard Chang, and Tommy Lee Edwards. So it's a nice little memorial to John Paul Leone, as well as a nice chunk of story from Tom King's Batman Catwoman romance. Catwoman number 38 uh, teases that there is a new 
poison ivy, uh, this is gonna be the dust settling after Fear State, and the wrap-up of the entire Catwoman run as written by Rom V. He didn't start at issue one, he started somewhere in the 20s, I believe, um, but this is the end of his run this week, with Teeny Howard picking up the series in January with issue 39. There is a, as always, stunning Jenny Frizen variant, and I will having possibly the last hashtag Poison Ivy watch of 2021 next week when I cover whatever it is that happens in this Catwoman issue. Let's go ahead and start talking about the penultimate episode of Hawkeye, episode 5, titled Ronin. This was a really, really cool one, so let's just jump right in. The episode starts off with what Yelena Belova was up to after the main portion of the Black Widow movie up until the blip. She's been trying to save widows, which is really understandable, and this one that we see her get to last uh, before the blip uh, was just working as a gun for hire. She wasn't actually brainwashed. So Yelena goes into her bathroom and everything turns to ash around her. Then she comes back and the room kind of builds itself around her from the ashes. That was Bruce's snap, which brought everyone back. And this is really cool, because before this, we saw Monica Rambeau get blipped and come back, but we mostly just saw that from an outside perspective. This time, they made an effort to try and make it so we could tell what it looked like from the person being blipped's perspective. The world just kind of falls away in ashes and then crumbles back up into whatever way it looks now, whereas... From the outside, it just looked like the blipped person turned to ash. So that was a neat little bit of insight, and I, and I hope they keep that up as we go on through the MCU. Because that is, the blip is still a major event to have occurred in both ways. Taking and bringing back five years later, you know. Major, major event in the universe. So when Yelena catches up, she says that she needs to see Natasha. But at this point, so early on in where things are... The battle in New York is just starting with Thanos. He's probably just hitting missiles into the ground outside the Avengers compound. So nobody really knows that Black Widow is dead yet. Not publicly. So then we get to, obviously, now. Um, and Clint, he takes a phone call with his wife, Laura. Laura Bishop mentions on the phone that she understands more than anyone what he's going through. More insight, in my opinion, that she could have a, or she does, have a heroic past of some sort, or maybe just a killer, hired killer past like his own. I still think she's probably formerly Mockingbird, and I'm hoping we'll at the very least get a reveal that her maiden name was Morse, because Bobby Morse is Mockingbird in the comics, and having her be a Morse would at least confirm some kind of relation to that character. Meanwhile, Kate is telling her mom... Um, well, she had already told her mom the suspicions about Jack, and later on we see Jack getting arrested, and her mom says that she was right. She, oh, thank you for warning me uh, for him being sketchy and all that. The thing is, Eleanor totally has something else going on. She is so cold and distant about this whole situation. I get the feeling like she's lying about not having known before but we do see her look into him on the computer so maybe she's just using him to cover her own trail i really don't know but she's obviously got a reason for having done this 
uh, when it seems maybe she was in a relationship with him just to have him as a patsy. I I don't know. I also have to note how much she would look like um, a comic book Madame Mask should you give her that shiny gold V-shaped mask basically is what it is. Um, Especially with the haircut she's got. She would... Mmm, that'd be so good. Just saying. I still want her to be Madame Mask. So Kate then goes back to her own apartment for the first time since the fire in the first episode, or I guess second episode, and finds Yelena Belova waiting for her. She broke in, but insists she didn't break anything because, of course, she's too good for that. Her words. Yelena made macaroni and cheese, which is cute because in Black Widow she had said that was her favorite food. There's some discussion of her past and some little mentions of things from the Black Widow movie, yada yada yada, all good and fun. Uh, Kate and Yelena actually do unsurprisingly have a really great uh a really great scene together in her apartment the two actresses have excellent chemistry on screen so i'm glad they're both sticking around in the mcu for a while after this basically what it all came down to in the scene was that yelena wasn't going to hurt kate she's not going to hurt kate period but she was hired to kill clint so maybe kate should understand why someone would want that but maybe at the same time yelena decides that she might want to know who truly hired her to do this. So uh, you also get a reference to a new Statue of Liberty, new and improved or updated or whatever she says. Uh, We do see that in No Way Home. My personal opinion is not improved. Might be new, not improved. Uh, Hawkeye and Grills, they spend some time hanging out together and it is definitely more comic references to them living in the same building as comic book characters and it does happen more than one time in the episode as Kate and Pizza Dog do join them at the end. They're clearly starting to all get pretty cozy with each other, pretty close. I really hope they don't put Grills in the same position as his comics counterpart and kill him off in the hubbub of the finale. Not not something I want to see. (laughs) Uh, We get another great emotional bit with Jeremy Renner outside a fancy plaque memorializing the Avengers, including Natasha. Her name was not at the top of the list, but it should have been since she was the only one who didn't come back, but whatever. Well, I guess Cap didn't technically either, but you know. Uh, And also, they also included in that scene her theme from the scene in Endgame when they're on Vormir, Uh, when she sacrifices herself so he could have the soul stone and help save the universe. So it's a really emotional scene. And then he apologizes for what he's about to do, which is, you know, nice and dramatic. But it makes you think he's about to go kill some dudes, which he does not do. (laughs) Instead, he shoots an arrow at the tracksuits with a note to Maya to meet him where she first saw Ronan. More hilarity ensues, of course, as the tracksuits are idiots and try to put this all together. So Clint meets Maya at the auto shop that night. He takes out all of her men before confronting her, of course. And then he beats her in their fight, but he does not kill her. Instead, he reveals to her his face, telling her not to go anywhere near his family, but then also tells her the truth. Kazi sold Willie out to Ronan on behalf of Kingpin, aka Kingpin hired Ronan to kill Willie, and Kazi was the one that gave them the time and place to find him. Some people uh, on the internet seem to be a bit confused as to why Kazi doesn't just let Maya kill Clint. 
as I see it, that would draw too much attention, uh, killing an Avenger. That would be enough to get their big boss involved, Wilson Fisk. And we already know her revenge tirade that she's going on here is not on his go-ahead. Because she and Kazi were worried about who they refer to as Uncle Fisk finding out. So clearly not okay with him. After the fight, Maya confronts Kazi about someone in their crew possibly having betrayed her dad. And he appears a bit surprised, but she clearly doesn't believe him. He wasn't there on the night of the massacre as his father's second in command. So that kind of checks out. Yelena follows Eleanor, meanwhile, and we learn that... Dum -ba -bum, Eleanor Bishop works for Wilson Fisk, aka the Kingpin. We get a full-on reveal of him in a photo. That is Vincent D'Onofrio. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Uh, anyway, and it was Eleanor, let's see, Eleanor was her fist, the kingpin, and it was Eleanor who hired Valentina Allegra de Fontaine to hire Elena, which we saw in that end credit scene for Black Widow. Or was it just the end of Black Widow? Whichever it was, I think it was the end credit scene. Uh, she hires Elena, but she was hired by Eleanor, who was hired by Kingpin. So in the long run, it was Kingpin, right? <laughs> so then going back to Maya trying to kill Ronan... With Fisk trying to kill Clint at the same time, is that right? Or or was Kazi, was he just worried about them getting in the way of Fisk's plans and therefore Maya would discover Fisk hired Ronin and Kazi was the one who ratted Willie out? I think that would work logistically. <laughs> and also, on top of that, does that make Valentina... Allegro de Fontaine, does that make her Madame Mask? Because we know from the comics, Eleanor Bishop ran Madame Mask. She was like her boss. And if she hired Valentina Allegro de Fontaine, mm -hmm, you see what I'm going here with this? Or is that still Madame Mask? She looks like she could be a killer Madame Mask. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see how they switch things up. Whatever the case ends up being, this episode does end with the big reveal that Clint confirming Kingpin is the big guy they're also worried about. And with the credits rolling to the song, you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch, which was of course written by Dr. Seuss. How appropriate. <laughs> At this point in things, I really don't think Clint is going to die. I actually don't think any of the main characters will die. Possibly side characters like Grills or one of the two tracksuits we see more often. But definitely not Clint or Eleanor or Maya. Probably not even Kazi. Um, Eleanor might fake her death, though. That was something I wanted to make sure I, I noted. Because that is what she does it when in the comics. When Kate is a child, she fakes her death. Um, and Kate thinks her whole life that she's dead. So Eleanor could fake her death or it could be revealed that Kate's father faked his death. Either one of those would fit that, um, that comic book thing that they did, having her fake her death. Um, you also know, you should also know, that Kate has a sister in the comics. Um, she hasn't been around too much, but that doesn't really seem to be possible to be canon in the MCU at this point, but we never, you never know. They could pull something out of their butts. And speaking of pulling things out of their butts, my husband has a theory, he's had a theory since the start really, that Kazi is related to Fisk in some way, relative-wise. 
um, like blood related, which I could see as being legit. Um, I think especially at this point, he's clearly the character that's meant to be the hood from the comics based on how he dresses and everything, um, which I talked around a fair amount after the premiere episodes, but I don't think he's ever going to be supernatural unless Fisk ends up having had some really, really good shit in those cellars alongside the Ronin gear and the watch. And speaking of the watch, all we got on it in this episode was Clint informing his wife that Maya has it and that Maya has done research on their family. So are those two points connected? Probably. Laura insists that she and the kids are too far away for any of this trouble to reach them, but Clint disagrees. Really has me wondering if this is a situation of a hero's loved one being put at lit risk or a hero's wife's past catching up with her. I, I don't really know, but I'm hoping for the latter. <laughs> However this all turns out, we're going to know everything starting this Wednesday, the 22nd, uh, on Disney Plus for the finale. And I am super excited for this. Personally, I don't think we're going to be seeing too much effect from the No Way Home movie in this. I don't think there's going to be any big, crazy Sony-verse splashes. I think if the craziest thing we might see is a reveal of Mockingbird, a reveal of whatever it is with either Valentino and or Eleanor, if one of them is Madame Mask, um, and potentially a reveal of a character such as Matt Murdock. It'd be kind of cool if he showed up now that we know he's in the MCU, which is not a spoiler from No Way Home. They announced it. They announced it. But anyway, let me know what you think about how this episode uh, how this episode went about these big reveals. What are your theories? How do you think the finale is going to go? Um, I've told you all about my theories. Now you tell me yours. The last thing we're going to be covering on this episode are the March 2022 comic book solicitations for DC Comics. As I mentioned in the beginning, I was really hoping that the Marvel Comics solicitations would be fully released by the time I got to this point in recording the episode, but in refreshing Google just now, it is not the case. So we're just going to cover the DC solicitations this week and hopefully by next week we'll have the full Marvel solicitation list for March 2022. There's a lot of Batman stuff and a lot of Wonder Woman stuff in this month's solicits. So if either of those characters or any of their legacy characters are interesting to you, you'll want to stick around and hear about that. We're starting off with Batman Killing Time number one. By now, if you're a regular listener of the podcast, you will certainly know that I am a big freaking fan of Tom King's writing. And if you're not a regular listener and you don't like Tom King's writing, I'm sorry, I don't have much nice to say to you. <laughs> um, just moving on from that before I say something really rude. The art and the, well, the art of the series is going to be by, by David Marquez, and it is a six issue series as opposed to his standard 12. Um, it is going to be a bit along the lines of the Batman movie from Matt Reeves, which is very interesting. We have variants by Kale New, Alex Garner, Peach Momoko, and Carlos Donda. Um, what it says about this series, three villains, one dark knight, and a deadly heist gone wrong. The characters are Catwoman, the Riddler, and the Penguin. Hmm. Says they join forces to pull off the greatest robbery in the history of Gotham City. And their prize, a mysterious and priceless artifact in the secret possession of Bruce Wayne. But as the events unfold, what fun is a heist without a bloody double cross or two? 
what I wonder about the series is is it tie into Tom King's the the romance he has set up between Batman and Catwoman that spreads decades of comic not of comic of comic history um the past few years of him writing comics but it spreads over decades of time in dc comics history so i'm um, really curious if this is gonna be canon at all because it is a flashback story to what he says is year two batman um which is how they refer to the matt reeves movie as well so um uh, I'm really, really interested in this. Not gonna lie. Super duper interested in it. King has been very open about the fact that this is much more of an action-based comic than his normal works. So I'm also very curious if people who don't normally like his comics will like this one. We get a new World's Finest series starting in March by Mark Wade. It's gonna be Batman and Superman, World's Finest. Number one kicks off with art by Dan Mora and variant covers by Jim Lee, Art Germ, Jason Fabok, Chip Zarsky, Evan Shainer, Dan Mora, and Lee Weeks. Deep breath, everybody. The Art Germ variant actually has Supergirl and, um... Oh gosh, Stephanie Batgirl. So that's pretty cool. What they have to say about this one is the Dark Knight, the Man of Steel. They are the two finest superheroes that the world has ever known. And they're together again in an epic new series from the legendary talents of Mark Wade and Dan Mora. In the not too distant past, Superman's powers are supercharged from a devastating chemical attack by the villain Metallo. And the only ally that the ultra powerful man of tomorrow can turn to is this turb in this turbulent hour is Gotham's own dark vengeance, the Batman. A nearly failed burst of power drives Bruce Wayne to his own extreme measures to help his friend, enlisting none other than the Doom Patrol for aid. <laughs> That'll be fun. It's the world's greatest superheroes from the world's greatest comic book talent in an epic comic book experience that kicks off the next big events in the DCU. Get ready, it's time to soar. It sounds like fun, not gonna lie. I'll probably check out the first couple of issues and see if it is any good. Unsure if it's ongoing or not. Batman Beyond the White Knight number one by Sean Gordon Murphy with art by Sean Gordon Murphy with cover by Sean Gordon Murphy. You can't see it, but I was just putting my fists up in the air as I was saying that. Um, because I am a big freaking fan of Sean Gordon Murphy um, and even... Well, I don't know if I'm even bigger, but I'm also at least equally big fan of the White Knight universe that he has created for DC Black Label. This is all parallel to canon, so this is all like Elseworlds kind of stuff. His it starts with Curse of oh it starts with Batman White Knight, and then you go into Curse of the White Knight, and then you have White Knight Harley Quinn, and then you have this. Batman Beyond the White Knight. This is going to be issue one of eight, and I am so pumped! Let's read what they have to say about it. A lot can change in 10 years, especially in Gotham. Batman, aka Bruce Wayne, may be behind bars, but the real criminals are still out there. Gotham Motors CEO Derek Powers has seized control of the Wayne family's assets and is using them to transform the GTO and the city they've sworn to protect. Crime is down, but at what cost? A new Batman has emerged in Powers a city, and only Bruce is fully aware of the dangers to come. It's time to destroy the mantle for good, but he'll need one of his forgotten sons' help to do so. Enter Jason Todd, the first Robin? That's how it is in this universe. That was his first Robin. 
And I think that's super sick. Um, but that's a good example of how Sean Gordon Murphy twists the narrative of the Batman story. Um, we get things like uh, in the first series that he did, Batman White Knight. The White Knight was not Batman. The White Knight was the Joker who was a sane man who had split personality disorder and the sane version of him runs for married ma marriage runs for mayor shit is sick it is so good <laughs> i cannot re recommend to you the sean gordon murphy white knight universe i can't recommend it enough it is fantastic Naomi is getting a second series in March. Of course, it's going to be because of her CW TV series. It's starting in January. Uh, it's going to be by Brian Michael Bendis and David F. Walker, which is the same team that kicked off her series in the start. And we'll have art by, once again, Jamal Campbell, which is again the, 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 the artist who's been there since the start. It's going to have six issues. Um really hoping it's going to be good and not just something that they're pulling together to make people want to watch the show. <laughs> on a more exciting note, Trial of the Amazons number one is coming out in March. It's one of two because they're going to have a bunch of tie-ins. It is by Becky Cloonan, Michael Conrad, we already talked about them, Joelle Jones, Vita Ayala, and Stephanie Williams. That is the Wonder Woman, Wonder Girl, and Nubia teams. With art by Joelle Jones, Elena Casagrande, Laura Braga, and Skylar Patridge. Now, Elena Casagrande is up there with a couple of artists I mentioned earlier as being incredible at imitating Joelle Jones' art. So, very, very excited to see her and Joelle Jones and Laura Braga, who is herself fan-fucking-tastic artist, all in the same issue. This is gonna be friggin' killer. And... And to add on to that, we have covers by Jim Chung, Rose Besh, who I'm in love with right now, Raphael Albuquerque, and Jen Bartel, who is legendary in comics already. What it says about this whole series, or this issue rather, after the events of Nubia and the Amazons, the dangers of Doom's doorway have found their way to man's world and garnered the attention of not one, but all three Amazonian tribes. The, the Banamigal... The Banamigdal consider it to be a weakness in the current regime and have decided to return to the shores of Themyscira to stake their claim over the island. Little do they know, the Escasida are not far behind, but instead looking for help to combat the evil unleashed. Temper tempers rise and swords are brandished as the women argue about the best course of action. I'm sorry, can I just stop for a second and... Why does the first Wonder Woman event in Forever have to be about them all vying for power? <laughs> Just whatever. And not getting along. Like, mm, mm, eh, eh. But so it continues. Now Queen Nubia must show them all the way to peace by calling for one of the most famous Amazon traditions, the contest. Who among them is worthy of leading them into the future? Find out as the bravest, wisest, and fiercest warriors compete to be champion of all Amazons. Whew, I got that one out. 
Um, I expect this to be really good. I expect some of the tie-ins to be very not good. Um, but one thing that we do know we're getting just a two-issue tie-in is Trial of Amazon's Wonder Girl. Uh, Wonder Girl series, I think, is ending in March. And I guess these are the next two issues that she'll be getting starting in... Well, it's ending in February and this will be starting in March. Written and drawn by Joelle Jones, of course, with a variant cover by the fantastic Jeff Decal. It says, Trial of the Amazons Part 4. As Diana's hands become tied from pursuing her investigation, she recruits a former ally to help her cause. Cassie Sandsmark. As Wonder Girl begins to question the Amazons, Yara Floor joins the contest, hoping to reconnect with the memory of her lost mother. Meanwhile, the evils behind Doom's doorway grow restless as tensions boil in the worlds above. And it does have a connecting cover that is mind-boggling. Definitely want to check that one out. We also have Sensational Wonder Woman special celebrating International Women's Day. It's going to have stories by Stephanie Phillips, Paula Sevenbergen, and Scott Collins. Paula Sevenbergen, I know she did some really cute Catwoman stories a few years ago. The art is going to be by Aletha Martinez, Paul Pelletier, and Scott Collins. Cover by Balin Ortega, variants by Julian Yoon, Emanuela Lupacino, Kat Staggs, and Maria Laura Sinapo. It is a one-shot for International Women's Day, and it will be talking three sensational stories that push Wonder Woman to her limits. Rogues number one is one of four from DC Black Label. It caught my eye. It's written by Joshua Williamson, who is the current writer for Batman. It's got art by Leo Max and covers by Sam Wolf Connolly, Massimiliano, Leo Max, I think I said that right, and Michael Cho. This is one of four. It says about the series, 10 years ago, the rogues disbanded and went their separate ways. But time hasn't been kind to the former blue-collar supercriminals. Caught in an endless cycle of prison, rehab, dead-end jobs, broken relationships, probation, and endless restitution fees, the rogues are sick of paying for their crimes. Luckily, Captain Cold has a plan. One last draw will leave them all richer than their wildest dreams and free from their past. If they can survive. The verses, this is the rogues if you've never seen them before. Reimagined by the incredible talents of master storytellers, blah blah blah, you get it. Um, this sounds like it could be interesting. But I could also not care. So we'll see. It also turns out that the next issue of Historia isn't coming out till March. Didn't know that. Feel kind of cheated now. But at least it's coming at some point. And if it's going to be anything like the one that we got uh, issue for the first issue, it's 100% worth the wait. It's going to be written once more by Kelly Sue DeConnick. The art on this next issue is going to be by Jean Ha. And we're going to have a variant cover by Becky Cloonan. This is the second of three prestige size, prestige plus size issues, which means not only are they thick boys, they are wide boys. What it says about this issue. The second installment of the jaw-droppingly ambitious history of the Amazons finds their future queen Hippolyta cutting a swath through the world of men, which is basically where he saw her at the end of the first issue, which was fucking cool. Desperate to be reunited reunited with the astonishing women who saved her life. But unfortunately for her, they're hard folk to find. Perhaps it is the will of the goddesses that they cross paths again. But before that moment, Hippolyta will gather herself a tribe of her very own and find that the hearts of all women do not necessarily burn with a flame as righteous as her own. Sounds sick, I am in. 
Nubia and the Amazons number six is the final issue coming out in March from Stephanie Williams and Vita Ayala with art by Aletha Martinez and Mark Morales. Catwoman Lonely City number three is the third of three issues coming from Cliff Chang and Cliff Chang. It's one person, not two people with the same name. And other things we have continuing in March that I just wanted to note. Dark Knights of Steel has issue five. Green Lanterns continues with 13. Harley, or sorry, 12. Harley Quinn continues with 13. I Am Batman has issue seven. Son of Kal-El finishes its crossover with Nightwing, where he should be getting a new name. Uh, Soups, not Nightwing. Uh, in issue nine of Son of Kal-El, and we have the sixth issue of Tom King's Human Target, and I think it was issue four or something, I don't, I didn't write it down, of Wonder Woman Evolution. So really, really cool stuff to be looking forward to in March at DC. Again, I will get to the Marvel stuff whenever they get it out for us. And with that, we have come to the end of another episode of Sensational She-Geek, live from Yancey Street. Again, thank you so much for listening to the episode. If you would like to help the podcast continue into 2022, go ahead and check the description for some links for some places you can donate to the podcast 2022 fund that I have to pay Podbean for. I believe it is $100, um, and with this very chaotic situation in my life right now where we're living in a large house with no roommates. Um, Hopefully I won't have to delay the podcast at all is all I'm saying. Um, But if you would like to help with that, those links are all over the place in the description. So I would super duper appreciate that. I don't expect anything, but I figured I'd put it out there in case anyone is feeling financially generous this week. The next episode that I will be posting is actually going to be a Yancey Street special covering the No Way Home movie. It's going to be having the news since the movie has come out, which there are several bits of news since this movie has come out, and that is going to include rumors as well as financial news of how the movie has done in theaters so far. We're going to have a basic plot overview and then sections covering things I liked, things I didn't like, uh, the Easter eggs in depth, the comics references in depth, and what to look forward to in the future of Spider-Man movies for the MCU. So if you're interested in any of that, that episode will be out by Thursday the 23rd at the very latest, so you'll have some really fantastic Christmas Eve or Christmas Day listening there for you on coming from my side of things. Other than that, the next regularly scheduled episode that we will be having is going to be coming out the 27th of December. That is going to be our last episode, last regularly scheduled episode of the year. Um, So that will be pretty cool to be doing, have done a full year of podcasts at that point. And on next Monday's episode, we will be covering the finale of Hawkeye. Of course, episode six is going to be coming out this Wednesday. Try not to spoil it for yourself. We'll be covering comic book picks from this week, polls for next week, news that is not Spider-Man related, because again, it's all going to be on the Spider-Man episode, unless it's news that comes out after I post that episode. And whatever else may appear relevant between now and then. Oh, and Marvel solicitations. I bet you any money, as soon as I post this episode, (laughs) the the Marvel solicitations will be posted as well. That just tends to be what happens. But in any case, they will be on 
the next Monday episode on the 27th. So hopefully you'll be around to listen to the Spider-Man special. If not, we'll see you for the next episode in one week. And then after that, we're going to have the Best in Comics 2021 list, which I am putting together currently. And there is a lot of good stuff that came out this year. I don't know if you're aware, but um, it's been a pretty good year for comics. It is still my friends, a good time to be a nerd. So uh, stay cool or stay cool, stay warm and dry on this winter solstice and look towards the sun as things start to get brighter in the new year. Other than that, get sweaty about the things that you love, be nice to the people around you and have an excellent week.